for some reason, like you don't realize it until you actually experience it, that you're like all this kind of subtle vulnerabilities that you that you feel on a daily basis. Like once those, not that they completely go away because we're always going to be somewhat vulnerable to something, but it really, it really, like it reflects on all areas of your life. You know, how you interact with your partner, how you interact with business partners, how you interact with coworkers, how you set boundaries for yourself. Like just the level of confidence that you get from knowing that it's, it's so strange how it, it really permeates all other areas of your life and, and your relationships, you know, and your connections. And so that to me is the most rewarding part of this is watching women kind of like experience that through the training and then reporting on that and really sensing that Um, because that is the ultimate goal is not just like, oh, let's all choke guys out left and right, you know, (laughs) like walk around, you know, this world beating people up. That's not the goal. The goal is that we won't necessarily need to because we exude this confidence and this, you know, this feeling and this ability that we are, are capable of doing that. And that we, we, if we need to, we, we can go there. Welcome to Black Belt Beauty Radio, a podcast fueled by a passion to support your journey in developing your most beautiful and optimal performance in life. Each episode is driven with the intention to elevate your mind. When we elevate our mind, we elevate our life. So get ready. It's time to rise. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Black Belt Beauty Radio. Today's conversation is with one of my closest girls, Eve Torres Gracie. Many of you probably already know Eve because she's been out in the world doing big things for quite some time now. But for those of you who are not familiar with her yet, I'm excited to share this conversation with you so that you can get a glimpse of who Eve is and how this incredible woman you know, goes through her life because her, her mindset and her process is a major factor in how she's able to be genuinely a high-performing, high-functioning individual. So brief background before I hit play, Eve holds a degree in engineering from USC, which I think is truly badass. And, you know, post-graduation, she did some dance and modeling work, which eventually led her to a competition for the WWE that would she would win and working with the WWE became her career life for several years she's actually currently still an ambassador for them but you know while she was working with them she she was killing it in that scene she was a hot commodity divas champion for several years and just yeah just all in giving it everything she got which wasn't easy and you'll learn about that in our conversation but she loved it So she eventually retires, and part of what led her to her retirement was that during that time um, with the WWE, she discovered two loves of hers simultaneously. She discovered her love for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which she holds a purple belt in, and at the very same time, she discovered her love for her husband of many years now, Henner Gracie. As she got deeper into her jujitsu game and, you know, her and her husband got deeper into their relationship, they really, you know, they teamed up and and found this kind of hole in women's self-defense that, you know, they were able to fill, essentially. And they've created what I feel is a movement called Women's, Women Empowered. It's a program that stems from, you know, the, the fundamentals of jujitsu, but um, it's actually so much more than that. And, 
you know, there's a lot of different modalities for self-defense these days. And I think that there, once you listen to Eve's perspective and approach that her and her husband share um, towards women empowered, I think that you'll, you'll discover why this particular program is so unique. So I'm excited for you to hear it through her voice because her voice is a big part of, of what makes it so special too. So before I hit play, I'll just say a few things about my girl on a personal level, which you know, it's never easy for me to do these intros, especially when I'm talking about someone that is as close to, to me as Eve is, um, you know, but, and there, cause there's no way to really reverently summarize all the amazing things that she is, but she's really that woman that you look at and you go, damn, how are you doing all of it? And not just because you know, she's doing all of it. She's a mommy. She's a entrepreneur. She's, you know, a wife. She's such an incredible friend, um, a loving, supporting friend. But the thing that makes Eve so special in my mind is as she's doing all of it, she is so gracious, um, graceful, and composed. So she's not killing herself and burning herself out while she's maintaining all of these amazing things that she's, you know, living and creating and pursuing in her life. She's doing it with, you know, the most, she, like, she's cool, man. Cool as a cucumber. Is that the, is that what people say? Um, yeah, I mean, she's just a dope human. So I'm going to hit play and let you, you know, feel that on your own. And it's very easily detectable. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with this remarkable, inspiring, empowering, badass woman that is my girl, Eve Torres Gracie. Enjoy. Eve, I look down right now and I saw some queens on your slippers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I smiled and I couldn't wait to expose oh. that on this podcast um, that I'm so excited to do with you right now yeah by the way queen is very appropriate obviously um thank you yeah girl so fuck yeah let's drop in i I love love you i'm so happy we're doing this finally i know so um okay i'm sure that a lot of people who are listening to this already know about you but for those who don't can you give up it's i'm sure it's not easy because there's so much to you but like a brief kind of background of who you are and where you come from, and then we'll pick it all apart. Yeah, I can. Uh, I'll probably leave out some important details, because I tend to do that when talking <laughs> about myself. But uh, I, yeah, originally I grew up in Denver, Colorado, and then I moved to LA for school. I went to USC, uh, University of Southern California, and I went for to pursue an engineering degree, uh, which I got, and then naturally went into wrestling after that. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually I pursued I pursued professional dance for a year and then um, transitioned into WWE, and so I I worked for WWE for five years and had a great time there. Um, was three time champion there. Be happy to talk about some of those experiences today, um, and then transitioned out of it in 2013 and. Now I work full time for uh, my hus- with my husband in empowering women uh, through self defense with our Gracie Women Empowered program, and that is my my focus and my passion and my calling right now. 
Yeah. That's yeah. so rad. That was great. Thanks. I didn't know how you were going to do it, to be honest. Yeah. I also did some like some films and TV shows in between there, too. So that's in there, too. <laughs> I know, just a few. Um, yeah, what was the last one that you did with, um, what's his name? Jackie Chan. Yeah, hell yeah. You were <laughs> badass. Like, what was your name in that? But My name was Dasha. Yeah, you were Russian or yes, something, right? Dasha. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, not too many people. It was definitely a bucket list thing. I'm like, yeah, just, I literally left that day. I was like, I just fought Jackie Chan today. Like that <laughs> happened. No just big deal. Jackie Chan. I can die happy now. It's so yeah, funny. He's such a like childhood just hero of mine. Yeah. And, I mean, he's just amazing. And he is actually who you would think he would be when you meet him and work with him. I, I bet. He's an absolute genius. Yeah. And I feel like geniuses are always like borderline a little crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> like, Truly. They are. Like they have to be. And yeah. like he would come up with these ideas and you're like, how is that gonna work? Like you're you're almost thinking like, how, how are we gonna pull that off? And sure enough, his stunt team and his like amazing mind just like makes this vision that he has for this scene happen, like right there. Like he, it wasn't even something that's been planned out for months. He's like, oh, let's do this, great. And then somehow it happens. That's so amazing. That's very kind of Bruce Lee of him, right? Oh, too. I mean, totally. They deserve their own, not for to sure. Say, you know, but. I mean, that's what Bruce would do. Yeah. Like, not like this, like this, and just on the spot. What a rad experience for you. I mean, I think that, um, so you were a villain in the movie. Always. Which is, well, and what's so <laughs> funny about that is, like, for the, you know, you're one of my closest, and, you know, for all of that, um, all of the people who know you and love you on this level, uh, we all kind of look at you as, I mean, look at your mug. It's like the Wonder Woman, right? <laughs> so you're usually, you're not the dark. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with it. I think that's actually hot. Maybe that's actually more fun for you. Because in oh. real life, you you are the Wonder Woman. But then when you go into these movies and these sets, it's like you get to be the dark badass. Like, come at me. Well, <laughs> yeah. It's actually super liberating. Like, having that experience. I remember in wrestling when I, when I we call it turning heel. Um, turning I know, heel. It's, yeah. It's like <laughs> when you turn, when you turn to, the, there's like the, the dark face side. The heel, right? When you turn to the bad, the, the bad, the bad guy. Um, when that happened for me, it was like when I finally was able to come out of my shell in WWE and I think just as a person because it's hard to make people like you, especially in the wrestling world. We'll just jump there real quick. But like, you know, in the wrestling world, I came in basically not as a wrestler, meaning I hadn't been wrestling in the independent circuits for 10 years and then joined it. I came in what they considered to be like a diva search winner, which was how they found me. Got it. So I had a lot of respect to earn with the, like the wrestling fans, with the viewers, um, and even with my coworkers. So it was, you know, it was a lot of hard work to earn that. So in the beginning, they're like, oh, just go out there and smile and be a baby face. And I'm like, these people are shitting on me. Like they do not <laughs> care about me whatsoever. And granted, we didn't have many good stories, like stories to tell or anything like that at the time. So it was, it was actually really hard being you know, trying to force being a, a good guy that people are supposed to like, you know, people are just supposed to like you because you wear like shiny colors and smile. Right. Um, so when I got to turn heel and when I finally turned to be a villain, it was like, it was so liberating. So I was like, actually, it's pretty easy to make people hate you. <laughs> Much easier to make people hate you than it is to force them to like you. Um, especially when there's like That's no so story true. behind who you are. Like when they right. can't get to know you and just go out there and wrestle a few moves and then come out which is what was happening back then uh, for, like, the women's division. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was really liberating. And, like, 
once you can go out there and be like just booed by an entire audience, you're like, wow, I can do anything. You can right? do anything. Like, you got nothing. Like you don't. It's like kind of like you don't care. Like you got nothing to lose. Yeah, you, you don't. could be a total asshole, and you're like, I'm doing my job, and yeah. I'm doing it well. Yeah, <laughs> it was so. And I think also because I've spent my life being a, a like a people pleaser. I think. Yeah. And WWE for many reasons, both on screen, but also, and like in the ring and behind the stage, uh, you know, behind the scenes. I would say was the first time I like had that realization. Like you can be. What you, what you was the best version of yourself you think you are, and there will still be people who don't like you. And like coming to that realization was so so important to me as a woman. Um, yeah, how old were you when you started? I started uh, when with WWE when I was twenty three. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you're so it's like having that realization is really liberating. Where you're like, mm-hmm. oh, it's not my responsibility to make people like me. Like totally. I just have to do me. I have to keep being who who I am, and as long as I'm proud of who I am, mm-hmm. then. Then Nothing else matters. Yeah. So yeah. all that by way of saying I do prefer being the bad the bad guy. It's way more fun. <laughs> well, you're kind of getting the best of both worlds, you know? Yeah. Um, it's it's cool because you, you, you really are. I mean, when you think about it, it's like you're not actually harming people. You're not actually committing a crime. But there is, you know, I mean, we have the sun and the moon for a reason. Totally. Dark and light. Yeah. And I really do believe that. You know, that is, it's nature. It's natural. I think everyone has a dark side. And dark is not to be interpreted, in my mind at least, as bad or, or negative evil. Yeah, or it's evil. Not, no. It's just kind of, it's just not the, you know, it's not rainbows and bubbles and all. Yeah. yeah. It's like, for me, it's listening to Portishead and getting in, or Depeche Mode, some dark songs and sitting in my, you know, journal by candlelight and just letting my, whatever. I'm just saying, like. No, you it's need good. it. You right. need it. And for me, I, I never I never really had it because, you know, yeah, you spend your life trying to be, at least for me, not everybody, mm-hmm. but I struggled with that so much, like always trying to be liked and trying to be, and not artificially liked, but just always try, kind of trying to be on my best behavior mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. And um, so it's nice when you're like, I get to be a bad, I get to be a bad girl for a little bit and Hell yeah. just have fun with it and know that. It's it's it was really liberating and kind of empowering for me. Oh, it's such a great great age. So wait, so okay, you say um, you know it's like you want people to be proud of you. Let's go into your family really quick, just because. So you have a brother and a sister mm-hmm. who are both amazing. Both your parents are rad as well. I love your family so much. Um, can you talk about that a little bit, like your connection with them? Just because I feel like you know that serves such a big part in. Like, even everything you just t- spoke about, right? Like, you obviously would – I imagine growing up, you really – there's a lot of respect in your family for each other. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that that played a part in you wanting to please and – Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And it was never um, – you know, it's funny. As you get older, you start just, like, really trying to deconstruct, like, your childhood and think about everything, especially when you become a parent. Everything that kind of played a role in the person you are and the good and the, you know, bad or not so good or – just what what was right and um i think a lot about that about how and some of it i think is innate i think there is there are some people who just kind of like are just born that way who are a little bit more again like the the pleasers i guess i would say or like the achievers and the, mm-hmm. and i think part of that was innate uh, in me but i was definitely I like battled perfectionism in my in my life. I'll say I'll use the word battle because 
<laughs> I, I, I literally remember my dad like having a conversation with me. I was in sixth grade. Okay. And I was up to like almost two in the morning working on a project. And my dad's like, um, yeah, you're like, how old are you in sixth grade? 11? Yeah, or 11 something. or 12. Yeah. yeah. He's like, uh, basically, I'm going to need you to, to chill out. Like, I, I, like, you need to recognize like what's happening here and why you're wow. like, so obsessed over this. And, and really, he was looking at my, my mom is the same way. Mm-hmm. My mom is extremely, extremely accomplished. She's an attorney. She was one of the first, you know, when she was in law school, she was one of the first women, especially women, a woman to be pregnant, like, and to have children wow. back then. Yeah. So she's just While really she's high achieving. Yeah. 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 It was, like, kind of unheard of in that at that time for, you know, she's one of very few women, um, but but really accomplished and worked really hard and... So I saw that, and obviously that had a great impact on me, but it also, I think, was, like, I'm very similar to her, where we kind of have a hard time knowing when to stop. Mm-hmm. And I've learned a lot about that and in, in myself, I think, over the years. Um, and part of that is watching her and watching how that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, she ultimately was diagnosed with cancer, and I firmly believe that, you know, a big part of that was stress and mm-hmm. and working herself literally almost to death, yeah. you know, and she recovered from that eventually, but it was a big wake up call, I think for my family. And that was actually after that happened, my dad is, that's when he had that talk with me. He's like, basically don't be like your mom. <laughs> so you <laughs> were that, that young that, when, and she, when yeah, she got cancer? Yeah, I was cancer? in fourth grade. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I was in fourth grade. So this was sixth grade. Yeah. But he kind of saw some of the same patterns, patterns in me. And he's like, yeah, just like you. I, I, I remember that talk very well because it wasn't just like, hey, relax, kid. It was like, I'm actually really worried about you. Yeah. And this is like a, something you need to be aware of is happening. And I don't think it went away then for sure. But, um, you know, I went through college and, again, pursued an engineering degree. And so I was always very – actually really enjoyed academics and did very well in them. But it's interesting that I didn't pursue any path from there. So it's like I went through it, and it was almost like just to accomplish something. Like, it's kind of like you're set on this path to just, like, I just, like, liked accomplishing tasks and, like, doing them well. Mm-hmm. And then, but it never really built what I would say, and this is kind of like, again, when, now that I'm deconstructing mm-hmm. my past and what I think about for, you know, my children. But it's like I, I didn't have... I don't know. It's like I wasn't really working towards building an extreme passion for one thing or what I wanted to actually do or who I wanted to be. Purpose. Yeah. I had no, I didn't have a purpose. Right. I mean, I was literally like, well, if I go to school for engineering, for sure I'll have a job when I get out. Like, yeah. And which is true. Um, and I did actually enjoy it. I was always like very math and science oriented mm-hmm. and, and took to it really well. But it's just interesting how beyond that, I'm like, yeah, I don't find myself being drawn to this for like my life purpose. I think that at that age, you know, where we are now, I'm 40 now, and when you look back at those years where you're going into college or university, I mean, come on, you're a kid. And I think there are some people who maybe at a very, very young age, for whatever reason, um, come to understand their purpose, or at least a part of it, maybe a pathway. Maybe it's like, I'm going to the Olympics. And then that yeah. leads to something right. deeper and bigger. But I don't really think that for the majority, um, I mean, because this, even for myself, um, 
It's hard to know what your purpose is until you know more about who you are. Absolutely. And you got to know who you, how you know who you are is you got to do life. And you haven't done life at 18, 19, 20. And so what's beautiful is that you had a focus and that's so important. You know, something driving you and something that you were naturally good at. And I want to get into that actually because it's just so, I am so proud of that. Like engineering, <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> and I don't know how many people actually know that about you. I mean, maybe, you know, some of your deeper fans do, but it's like, that's a big deal. Um and it almost seems so contrasting to like, you know, everything else. But yeah. to but yeah, to go to f- just finish my point, it's just that, yeah, it makes sense that you, um, you know, you just had to do more life and live more life, and and really, I think it to, to kind of simplify it, it just comes down to really connecting with who Eve is, while you're also creating who Eve is, and then it's like this synergistic thing that starts to happen where it's like now certain people are coming into your life and certain things are happening and then boom you know here you are and you're deep in your purpose and we're obviously going to get into that and your purpose is serving the world um greatly thank you yeah well and i i always think about it that i think what it was and and the way that i see it as like serving a purpose for me of like all that years all my years of education and sleepless nights and killing myself, you know, for getting the great, you know, good grades I did and all of that was that for me, that was like the liberating factor for me is like, once I got my degree, I thought like, it was like, once I had that, it's like, okay, I have, I have something to fall back on. I have this like safety net underneath me and now I can reach for, I can do whatever I want. That's rad. Because I know if I fail, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. And you know, and I really firmly believe that people need a sense of safety in their life in order to take risks. Absolutely. It's interesting. It's like there's this, yeah, you need that feeling of safety. You would think that people, once they feel safe, they don't want to leave their safe haven. But like when you feel safe, you feel more willing to take risks in your life. And I think about that with my, that was actually one of the inspiring factors to my son's name, whose name is Haven. And I thought about that, about safety and just, and I thought about how, I mean, obviously what we do now is instilling, helping the world feel safe. But I thought about how safety really is what allows you to like, you know, when you're, when you're in a rocky foundation, it's really hard to, you know, set these kind of scary goals or try something that you might fail at because you are so afraid of the rug being pulled out from underneath you at all times. And you see that all the time, you know, around us and why children in, in really, you know, difficult situations just have a hard time, you know, sticking to something because they're, they're just in survival mode, right? Yeah. So once you feel that safety, which I got from my education, and I'm like, good, got my degree, I'm good. Like, people know I can, I can learn and I can be, you know, a good employee if I ever wanted to be. Um, then that's when I was like, I'm going to pursue dance and acting. And, you know, WWE opportunity came up, and that's when I just started Getting real crazy. That's such a rad thought process and realization and truth, you know? That that is so true. When you feel like you have a baseline of safety, you can be unsafe then. Yeah. You're like right. it. okay, cool. Um that's so rad. Did you realize that later? Or did you actually realize it? Because like you said, then you went out and did dance and then WD. I think I well, I, I, I was kind of preparing for it because when I moved to LA I always knew in the back of my mind that the entertainment world was something I wanted to <clears throat> kind of dabble in at, at the very least and maybe dive in at the most. 
But I, I continuously told myself, like, okay, while I'm in school, I'm not going to touch that world because I knew that, especially at, you know, age 19, 20, 21, you get, like, one job, and it's like, oh, you need to go do this for a month. Well, guess what? You have to take off school, you know? So I knew that it would have delayed my ability to get my degree. Um, so I, I purposely was, like, had my blinders on. It's like, I'm not going to look outside of this, and I'm just going to just go for this, accomplish this, and then once I do, that's like what's gonna give me the freedom to then pursue whatever I want. You know, entertainment and acting, dance, um, and then, you know, later WWE. So I kind of knew that, I was kind of preparing for that. But I think, you know, it's easier to see it in its full context, obviously now. What, it's so, that's so impressive. There's two things I wanna ask you. Um, where do you think, that takes a lot of discipline. I know a lot of, you know, just even through the nature of my work, there's young girls that I work with who, you know, at that point, they're already doing things um, in the industry. Maybe it's a little different because they're already out there, but then also want to go to school. And it's hard because it's like, okay, well, really if this hard. movie comes, then how do I, you know, how did you, where do you think, it's a better way to put it, where did that discipline come from for you to say, um, I'm not going to look in that direction, even though I know it's something that I want to mess with a little bit afterwards, but I need to do this first. I think it partly came from knowing myself enough to know that, like, I don't do, and this is kind of a theme I've seen kind of weave in and out of my life since then, too, is that when I have more than one kind of major thing going on, I don't really know how to, like, it's hard to do both really well, and I really want to do both really well. So it's a you know, it, it makes it just a little bit, I, I just knew, like, I, you can't give 100% to, to both of these things. And I would have tried and probably, like, killed myself in the process. Yeah. So I think knowing myself, knowing, like, I can't even go there. Like, I won't even let myself go there because it's just going to, I was already drowning in, in just school. And, and I had tons of, like, other, um, I was in a, I actually chartered a sorority um, at, in, at USC like the first chapter on the West Coast of, of our sorority. And then I was in like a dance team. And so I had other things going on, but I just knew, I kind of knew myself enough to know like I can't even go there yet <laughs> because I'll, I want to go all in when I go. And so I think that's, some of the discipline came from just knowing that about myself. But I think, also I think a lot of discipline was, um, I think it actually came, I was a gymnast growing up. And... It's yeah. There's a lot of things about gymnastics that are great, but I think the probably one of the most important things is as long as you can do it in a healthy way, you learn so much just about discipline. Like, and it wasn't even my mom saying like my mom was not a gym mom whatsoever. She was like, do whatever you want to do. Like, if you want to quit, fine. If you want to keep going, go. It was it, I had no pressure from my parents whatsoever. But I was at the gym four hours a day. Four hours a day. How long did you Four, do gymnastics? That's so gnarly. I did it until high school, basically. So, so um, until my freshman year, and then I was like, I kind of want a life. How did you? How old so were you when you started? started? I started when I was six, I think. Yes. Yeah, Damn, six. girl. Yeah. So I want to say eight years, nine years. That's why you have the best shoulders ever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the other reason for them shoulders, shoulders, <laughs> shoulders and arms. Yeah. It's like very superheroes. Dope. Wait, that's a that's a big deal. So four hours a day. Yeah, for and this is like more like middle school when I was kind of like middle school going into high school. That's like when it really gets you know, when you're in a comp you're a competitive gymnast. 
And you're just like, so you just have this routine of like, go home, eat a snack, do your homework, go to gym, you know, four hours later, you know, get home at 8.30 or 9, start your homework, and you have tons of homework to do. So it's like, I didn't have even time to like think about anything else because it was always just go, go, go. Did you love gymnastics? Um, Funny question after saying you've done it for so long, yeah. but. I think about it, and again, it's hard to know. Sometimes like when I'm in things, I'm like, am I just doing this? because I want to be good at it? Or is am I doing this because I really love it? And what I realized from gymnastics was my favorite part of it was floor and beam, which was like more dance, right? Yeah. So I kind of realized after all that, I was like, I probably really just wanted to dance. Um, <laughs> and that's why I got into it. Like that That's like the part that I actually loved about it. Mm-hmm. I loved the challenge and I loved accomplishing new things. Like every time I'd get a new move or got my like double tuck or like, you know, something that where it's like a really big thing that you're like, okay, I accomplished that. It's like nice. I think I was also addicted to that. Um, But I think in terms of the actual love and passion, it was probably more on the performing side of it, like the meets and the dancing side. So did you you ever um, have the vision or desire to go to the Olympics? I think, oh yeah, for sure. But that was all about Nadia when I was. Oh yes. Yeah. And, like, that was, like, Carrie Strug and, like, mm-hmm. you know, like all these amazing um, gymnast stories. Dominique Dawes. Yeah, I was super into the Olympics. But I was also very – like, I got to a point where I was like, yeah, that's definitely not happening. I mean, you know, like, once I got to be 14, plus I started growing. And, like, I was – yeah, I was pretty tall, you yeah. know, for a gymnast. Um, and then I just realized it wasn't what I absolutely loved, you know. Mm-hmm. So I transitioned into dance then. And I just, I started my own dance team in, in high school, too, with um, a group of girls. It was actually a step team. Of course you did. And <laughs> I was like, let's just see how this guy, you know, just, yeah, I was like, I just want to, I want to do this. But, like, there wasn't anything there that was, like, more, like, hip-hop. And, yeah. And it was, yeah, it was, it was a step team. And we just, it was, like, the first thing at our high school that was like that. There was, like, cheerleading, obviously. And I was like, eh, it's not really me. We did that. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I am an athlete by way of life. And I think that, and then, you know, so as a young girl, I was a competitive runner. So I had that upbringing too, where sport was, it was a big part of, of uh, my childhood, you know, up until like my teens. And then I started surfing and that was a wrap. Everything else it's like, I cared about nothing except surfing. But, you know, I had the whole vision of, I'm going to go to Stanford. I'm going to go to the Olympics. I'm going to do that whole thing. And, you know, what I love about, there's a lot of things I love about that. But looking back now, um, you know, a lot of people will say, you're so disciplined, right? With my regimen and stuff. And it's like, for me, it's just passion and love. Um, But I will say that there is, you know, there are times where you're tired and you can't rely on motivation. Mm. So the only thing that you can rely on is your discipline in those moments. Yeah, and, and your, like, routine, you know? Right. Where you're just like, yeah, this is, this is, this just, is what's happening. I got to do it. This is what we do. And that, I think, I feel like, you know, in that regard, it's almost like every child at some point should experience sport just for that reason. Team totally. team sports are rad, too, yeah. because, you know, that's, I mean, it just, there's just so many benefits, um, regardless of how far you go with it or how even great you are at it. It's just, it's the structure and the systems. It's the, the mental framework that even if, like, through my 20s, 
I wasn't calling upon my athlete roots as a child. I was like living in New York and Hawaii. I was doing yeah. all kinds of things. Right. But it's funny because once I kind of got all that out of my system, I went straight back into my roots as an athlete. And I'm so grateful that I had that, you know, that this exists for me um, that stems from my childhood. Totally. And yeah, it's like that's the best time to establish habits. Exactly. When you're so young, it's hard to, you know, be 28 or 30 and be like, oh, I don't really want to start, you know, this routine or this discipline. And I always was very grateful for that. Like, and I, to this day I am, um, you know, my ability to like be like, yeah, I'm really exhausted and I'm still going to go to the gym or what, whatever it is. Like it's, it's a, it does have to be instilled in a young age and I'm super grateful for that. Yeah. It's so helpful. Um, consistency is everything. I always say that. Okay. So you, WWE, let's go there. Cause that's not, <laughs> you get your degree in engineering, big deal. What happened between that point And I know you said you went to dance for a bit after mm-hmm. that and then WWE comes to you. Yeah. So the dance, um, so the dance world, I basically got a dance agent and yeah, I just, I danced for the Clippers for a year and then I did a bunch of other just like kind of like random dance jobs and just really enjoyed it and loved it and had fun with it. Um, but it's a hard world to be in, of course, because you never know when your next check is coming. It's that you know, you're just going to these cattle call auditions and it's pretty, you know, it's, it's, it's rough, but it was fun and it was the right time in my life to do something like that. Um, and then the opportunity for WWE came up and it was something that I looked at it and I'm like, okay, for one, like something about like these strong, like female characters which is kind of what the, the the women wrestle at the time they called them divas. Now they call them female superstars. Luckily, so I never like that name, but um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, they, you know, they were the kind of these strong female characters, and I was kind of intrigued by that. Like, <clears throat> kind of always been drawn to that, but also just what it incorporates. Like wrestling is basically a combination of athletics, theater, and you're also traveling the world. You know, so those were all things that both obviously as an athlete and then um, as somebody who, yeah, the the theater and the performance aspect of it. And then I just thought about all the opportunities that would come with kind of traveling and all that. And I thought like this, this could be a really great match. Like, and there's only one way to find out. And it's funny because this is a, something I always say is that like, I have a hard time believing in five-year plans. Because if I had made a five-year plan in, in college, I, you know, it would not have been that. Right. Absolutely. So sometimes these doors open and you're like, mm, let me just peek inside here. Let's just see. And then you're like, okay, this, this, this works, you know, and it, it really actually was a really good fit for me. <clears throat> and I, I really fell in love with it really fast for those reasons. It was incorporated all these elements that I really loved. <coughs> and um, so, but it was, it was a really, you know, like that's where the discipline kicked in again, because it was like, from the very beginning, they're like, cool like get to work you know it's like how was the gotta... audition for you i want to oh so the the audition it was it was actually a contest that they did and i ended up oh, winning really? the contest oh wait you said that mm-hmm. in the beginning yeah so it was it was like a contest and the way that they were kind of found new talent back then was this contest it was called the diva search and their thought was like if we can find somebody who who's kind of you know who's athletic and who may have a certain kind of either you know look or appeal or whatever it is that they're kind of looking for it's easier to find that and teach them how to wrestle right. than it is to find somebody who may already, you know, 
know how to wrestle but has some of these other elements that they might be looking for. That was kind of the concept and that's shifted, I think, um, over the years. But so I didn't have to do any wrestling or anything for the, but they, they did have like kind of athletic like contests and stuff. So they were like, okay, can, does she have two left feet? Or like, yeah. is she, you know, is she athletic enough to pull this off? And then the fans actually voted. So there was a fan vote oh, based wow. contest and I ended up winning that. So I won a contract with them. Was that in LA? Um, so the initial like casting was, but it actually wasn't, it was in Florida. Um, and it's crazy just how it all worked out because I was still dancing professionally at the time. And I remember I was on tour with Mario, the, um, the R&B mm-hmm. singer. And it just like so happened to line up that I could make those dates, even though like it could have been possible that I wouldn't have been able to make them. And it's like hard to turn down a maybe, you know, like to turn down a for sure check for a maybe is like a hard thing to decide. So anyways, it all worked out just perfect. And and it's it's just crazy the ride that I had with them. And. You know, I really, um, I've learned, I, t- I take so much from my time there. Like, I learned so much as a performer, um, as somebody who just, like, again, I, start, I was in a brand new world. Yeah. So I had to work my butt off to, like, basically even be someone who's considered respectable in the ring. Um, and actually, again, I was, I was, even though I had an athlete, you know, an athlete bath- background, I also started training jiu-jitsu at the same time. Okay. Which we'll get into, I'm yeah. sure, in a little bit. But so I had, you know, I had this foundation, but still, like, learning to wrestle, and it's totally different, yeah. you know, totally different animal. So I was really, I was like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to figure this thing out. And so I finally, finally feel like I did. Um, and I really started to just love it and enjoy the, the especially the in-ring aspect of it. The in-ring? Is that what the in-ring. Like, in-ring, meaning, like, the, yeah. the actual, mm-hmm. there's a lot of other stuff like travel and all that right right, right, it's right, right. A lot, it's but the action basically is the action you know. yeah yeah of course it's the fun part um so and it, most people don't know like how hard that world is on the the athletes and on the you know on sure. the talent I mean, traveling is really gnarly on the body it's it's like the deeper i get into biology the more i'm like oh my god when you're flying into different time zones your whole circadian rhythm is thrown off you're not sleeping good on planes you're not eating good especially let's be real touring around the country i mean i've no, been you, across the yeah country. you're getting you're uh, getting you're getting out of like somewhere <laughs> in kentucky in like, at like 11 p.m. you're getting yeah. out and then you have to drive for like 4 hours to the next the next city and you have to find food so I mean, it was like we'd be lucky if there was like an Applebee's open, that was like a you know a gold mine. Right. We'd be super lucky if there was an Outback, but uh, <laughs> but usually it was like you go to Wendy's and you're like trying to like okay I'll get this without the bread and you know you're trying to piecemeal stuff or you go to the grocery store that might be open and try to get some. It was so hard to eat well, but yeah the travel is absolutely gnarly there. It's you're traveling you're in a different city five days a week for year round there's no off season. So there's never like, oh, take these two weeks off. Right. You're constantly, constantly traveling, constantly on the go for, and and, you know, I think holidays are the main time that people go to events. Mm. So I remember when, when you're having to fly out on Christmas to New York. Wow. uh, Because there was like a snowstorm coming. They're like, we need you to fly into the snowstorm. I'm like, cool, thanks. Let me just leave my Christmas dinner right now and jump (laughs) on a plane. (laughs) To get into this snowstorm, it, it was, yeah. Oh, my goodness. But uh, it was it was really, but I learned a lot about myself, and, and it's like it's like a boot camp for life, for sure. Oh, like I'm, I'm like, sure. If I can do that, 
if you asked me to do like one week of that right now, I'd probably be like dying. Like it, you think you look back, I'm like, how did I? How do you? How do? How do we do that? Right. But again, you're just in the. You're in this rhythm. It's like the switch is on, and you're just going. Yeah. It's like this machine that you just you just keep going and figure it out. And then I'll, I'll you know while you're traveling, you have to find gyms, you have to train. Right. Keep yourself healthy. You got to hold it together. Yeah, for and not to mention the actual wrestling obviously is hard on the body. Right. Extremely hard on the body. Yeah. But on top of that, then you're sitting in a plane or a, or a car for four to five hours after each show so yeah it's not it's so much work um but yeah it was you must have loved it I did yeah I, you know times there were times right. that I was like pretty miserable yeah um but I think I it was while I kind of still hadn't found my rhythm there and once I did I really I really enjoyed it but I also knew you can't especially as a woman you just can't really have um a life, you know, if you, especially if you're not dating somebody who also is in, in, the, in the company with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I was dating Henry the entire time I was with WWE. Um, so it was kind of like, all right, time to, yeah, you I know, remember. settle what was down it like? and transition. Oh, my gosh. The amount of time that you guys would actually have together. It was when you actually... There was one moment I remember when you went longer than you've ever gone. Yeah. Like, what, yeah. What, it was like 20 days. It was something like that. Yeah. It was just, and even all your closest knew about it because it was such a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, like how many days we actually got to spend together in a row. Yeah. It was like, whoa. That's kind of so. special. I mean, we're jumping around. I don't care, but um, I do it all the time. Uh, <laughs> obviously, you already know that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, I think that so long as there's a, you know, the, the connection's very healthy I think that that could actually be very serving to the relationship. It totally was for us. I think at the time of our lives where we were, um, like Henner is a complete workaholic (laughs) and especially was then. So the truth is like, I don't think he missed me literally at all. Like he was, he would be, you know, like I would call him and he would just be working. Like he worked so hard during those years building kind of what now has been established and created. And, um, I feel like had I had been there, I would have been like, hey, let's, you know, and he'd been like, sorry, I'm working. So it, it kind of, we it both just out. were grinding it out during those years. And how but inspiring still, to, to yeah. both of you because you're both simultaneously doing it, doing it in your own individual lives. Right. Yeah, that's so right. Ra- you were inspiring him. Like you're out there kicking ass, doing everything you just said, making it happen. And then meanwhile, you know that your man is like grinding at home too. That's rad. Yeah. It was, I mean, we're in our twenties. Like that's what the twenties are for. Yeah. In but a lot case of there's any 20 year olds listening, the twenties are for grinding it out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what your twenties are for. Just grinding it out. Grind it out. Figure it out. Figure really. it out. Yeah, yeah. And that's what you're doing. You're figuring it out, but it's, it's like the best time to just work your butt off and like, you've got the energy, you've got the excitement and the motivation. You're, and you're willing to sleep on the floor because once you get into the third, 30s, yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah that's the no, time you I want a little, the gr- like, you want the grind to slow down just a little bit, <laughs> like just a little. Your standards kind of, you're like, no, my bed only. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, okay, so I want to know when you, um, and this kind of trickles into everything else. Nervousness. Uh, so you put yourself out there, you know, performing, dancing, um, doing this contest for fucking the WWE which is a huge organization were you nervous or I'm sure in your, I'm sure there were points that you were nervous I want to know what your self-talk was like in those moments when you were nervous yeah that's a great question because it's such a big part of my life actually is 
and overcoming that was such a huge thing for me. I mean, I, I, yeah, I didn't mention this, but like as a child, I was like painfully shy. You're an introvert. I'm an introvert. I was painfully shy to the point where like they actually thought I kind of had some like, you know, social concerns like regarding my abilities to like connect with other people. And I was really introverted and really shy as a young, as a young girl. Um, and you know, it's, I think that finding performing and like dance was, I think the first thing for me was like my way to like come out of that shell. And it's almost like it's easier when you're putting on, like it's, it's easier to put on a, a role, like play a role of like this outgoing person than it is to actually be that outgoing person. And so, but somehow by doing that, it kind of like trickled back into my life where I said, okay, it's okay for me to to do this and to be this. But had you told me when I was, you know, in in elementary school or whatever, that someday I'd be performing in front of 70,000 people at WrestleMania, I would have been like, yeah, no thanks. Like I'm, I'm good. Like I wouldn't have believed it. And so it was a huge part of me, again, those challenges and like overcoming and conquering this. This is not something that was supernatural for me in the beginning, but it's something I kind of became addicted to was like that feeling of like, okay, like I want to, I'm just going to do this. Like I remember I had a talk in front of 40,000 Boy Scouts at one point, like at a, at a, some Boy Scout convention. And I'm just like, all right, here it goes. Like, and truly the only way you get better at doing that is just to do it. It's just to be like, this scares the shit out of me, but I'm going to do it because there's no other way to know if I can do it or not. And so you just go. Um, but I think naturally the nervousness kind of subsides when you, when you do it enough. Um, but yeah, I don't think there was ever a match that I didn't get a little bit of nerves for. And obviously there was some that I got way more nerves for because maybe it was just a really big match or it was a, you know, there was a kind of a big move or big something that's going to happen in it. Um, what do you tell your brain? So I, um, I believe in like breathing a lot. Yeah. And so breathing was a big part of it. I actually have this poem that I always recited. Um, it's called Invictus. Mm-hmm. So that is one that like, that just gets me hype. Like, it, and if you haven't read it. I'm going to put it in the show notes. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Invictus by William Ernest Henley. Um, I could recite it all now, but I won't. I won't do that for you. Um, I'll just look it out. Part, if if there's a favorite part of it, well, that I, gives you chills. Yeah. Well, I would say the last thing, the last line of it, which is, well, it, and it's it says, "I'm the master of my fate," but I say, "I'm I'm the mistress of my fate. I'm yeah. the captain of my soul." Oh, sorry, I interrupted. Please yeah, say that again. Yeah, yeah. I am the mistress of my fate. I am the captain of my soul, and that just means you run the show. Like you on your life show. And so every time I would recite it and I would just like, that was like my, you know, um, my buildup and my like, all right, I'm doing this. That was your process. It was my process. Yeah. Like Michael Phelps. He's tapping. Yeah. He's doing his whole thing. And then once you're done with it, you're kind of like, I'm, I'm good. I'm ready. Mm -hmm. I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. So that was mine. Um, for especially like really, you know, big moments and things like that. It was it just got my mind right. That's amazing. Yeah. That's cool. Because I, I, you know, it's. I think it's very helpful when there's some kind of ritual self-talk. I'm a huge advocate for that. Um, you know, it's it, and again, it's also very, you know, bridging a deeper connection to yourself. Sure. Um, to, to be able to turn to yourself 
in those moments. You know, it's great when we have anything external there to validate us, there to secure us. I mean, we all want that too, but when you can turn to yourself first and get what you need to move towards something that is, you know, making you fearful, you know, part fear, nervous and excited, nervous and excited are physiologically the same thing. It's just a shift in the mindset, right? Yeah. Um, To be able to, to, to turn to yourself to get what you need for that, that's really powerful. And so I think it's helpful for maybe those who are listening and who don't have something like that yet, but to try and, you know, create or discover something like that so that. And, and really knowing it's so, I just think it's so important to hear that like not you kind of, people have this assumption that people who perform are these like naturally out. And some of them are, you know, like from a very young age, you're like, look at me, look at me. Like, look at I'm doing a dance. But, uh, but some of them are actually like extreme introverts and like have some social anxiety. And I actually, to this day, I think I still have some social anxiety. Like I remember for so long, it was like, I have to make a phone call to like AT&T or some shit. <laughs> I don't know what. And I'd be like, hey, what am I going to say? Like this was a process that I went through in my life where there was times where I'm like, okay, you know, am I going to say the right thing? Or it's crazy when I think about it, how you can do that. And then at the same time, like go live on, you know, Monday Night Raw. And literally there's no, there's no second take. It's like, you're going live. You're performing in front of thousands of people and it's live. Like you mess up the whole world sees millions of people watching. So you can be both. <laughs> and if you, if you are one does not mean you can't be the other. It just means there's a lot of work to be done to get there. And they, they do help each other. And it doesn't mean you change yourself. It doesn't mean you become an extrovert and pretend you're an extrovert. Um, it just means you, you know, you have these, these moments where you tap into just something and a different side of you that allows you to do that and to be there. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm for sure, we talk about this all the time. Yeah. I definitely associate more with being an introvert. I think, you know, you can definitely frame me as an ambivert too, just because, you know, there's aspects that are extroverted, but truly I don't connect with, um, you know, I'm, I'm not, it's my recharge has to be solo. And the, and the part why I feel so much more of an introvert than an extrovert is because I like a lot of recharge, which means I like a lot of alone time. Yeah. And it's really important to me and my process as an artist. And, and really, I think, I feel like this might be a similarity with us where, you know, when we are out there, we're all in yeah. and we're out there. Yeah. And it's like you completely kind of disconnect from, or eventually, maybe not initially, um, from that introverted part of you. And you're really, it's more of like, you're very present with the person or people in front of you. Yeah. And to do that, to be that, I think that is a very kind of extroverted quality or characteristic maybe is a better word sure. for it. So, um, but like in my in my life, like once I've, there's only so much of that that I can do. So let's just say I'm even it's work. Yeah. When I'm done, I'm, I need me to, I need to be like, I'm literally tapped out in the best way though. Yeah. It's no, it, yeah, it just, it takes energy. It's like, uh, it just takes energy from us. Like yeah. it's energy that we love to spend. And I love those. I feel so fulfilled in those moments. Even when I'm teaching now, you know, that's like my new stage is like just yeah. being in front of our students. Um, but even then it's, it's like, it's so fulfilling. But at the end, I'm just like, oh, like I need, I need my time. To, yeah. My recharging is not, that's not how I don't recharge by being out there. I recharge by coming home and, you know, being by myself. Totally. Yeah. And it's hard because Heather and I are both introverts at heart. And so we both come home, we both recharge, and we just, like, stare at each other. We're like, 
<laughs> like, and so we're trying to like, okay. Oh, so how are you? Hey, how's your day? Well, you both do, and I think it's a good transition to go into that a little bit, but, you know, Henner's obviously, so your husband, Henner Gracie, yes. um, I mean, he is, because when he's not at home doing his introverted thing with you, he is out full force, like front and center, fully present, just giving, 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 giving. Yeah, energy. you would never expect that he's an. You would never expect he's an introvert. If you've right. ever seen any of his videos, you're just like, whoa, this guy has so much energy. <laughs> the energy. The energy. Okay, cool. So let's actually transition there. So you're dancing. You start training jujitsu. Um, you meet Henner. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I meet Henner and jujitsu on the same day. And <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> That all happened at once. Um, in Victoria, my now sister-in-law is the one who introduced us. Yeah. She was slick, and she was like, she's like, I want you to come do a jiu-jitsu class. And I was like, great, sign me up. Sounds awesome. She's like, yeah, and I want you to meet somebody. And so my first class was a class with him. It was basically like a semi-private. And, um, yeah, I kind of <laughs> fell in love with both at the same time, like right away. And, you know, I, I was really, like, in the beginning – like, really amazed by what jujitsu could do and, and did for me. Uh, it was, like, kind of to the point where you're like, how have I never seen this before? Oh, my gosh. I know exactly what you feel. So, like, when you do the trap and roll for the first time yeah. and you're like, what the hell is this? Yeah, right. <laughs> it is, like, so, you're just like, how, why don't I know this? Like, right. what? why doesn't everyone know this? Like, it was really, that was, like, my one of my first thoughts um, cause it made so much sense. It's not like some really like abstract idea or concept. It's like so, so common sense that you're like, how, how and you're engineering, you have an engineering brain right. and so much of jujitsu and leverage. It's like, I think it's actually so beneficial that you have an engineering brain cause you can kind of grasp things. I, I want to say easier, maybe even, um, so that must, so it must have really clicked for yeah, you. Yeah. It's a great, like if you're somebody who. You don't want to be too cerebral, but I think right. that if you're somebody who is cerebral, it's a wonderful sport for, for, for you know, activity to do because it is. It's so mentally stimulating. It's basically he, chess with your body. Right. I just um, read something um, about how, and it makes sense, but I learned kind of the science behind it just in that when you are doing something physical, some kind of sport, um, it could even be something like surfing. Jiu-Jitsu is the greatest example to me um, where you have to cognitively be also very in tune. Like, you you know, so Jiu-Jitsu, it's like, yeah, you're doing all this physical movement, but you're thinking, not overthinking. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. like fine line of thinking because you're setting things up or you're avoiding or whatever. Um, but it really impacts your the, the health of your brain. Yeah. It's rad. Oh, it makes total sense. It's like doing, like they say, like you should do cross, like when you're... You should do crossword puzzles and or jujitsu. Like basically, it's it's such a similar function that right. you're you're doing. Is you're thinking two steps ahead, three steps ahead. Sometimes, um, you know, you're you have to react quickly to what's happening. I mean, it's there's you're there's firing so many. The brain. Yeah, it it, to, it it totally is. So I mean, yeah, there's many reasons why I fell in love with that. But um, but really, what 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 happened was, you know, at the time. There was very few women who trained, this is 10 years ago, um, who trained at the, what was then the Gracie Academy. And it was, you know, it was pretty standard for any jiu-jitsu school. It was just like, yeah, like not that many women who at least reached kind of the advanced program, like the, you know, master cycle. And <clears throat> and so you'd be lucky if you 
had one other woman in the class with you, you know, when you're training and, um, and, and really, so what, what Henner and I, you know, really started, started to, you know, talk about was how to get more, more women on the mat. Because for me, like I said, it was such an eye opening thing that my, I'm like, why, why doesn't every woman know this? Like, how can this, how can this be that women don't know this? And, um, and there was a, already a program that was existing called, called Women Empowered. But at the time, they were doing it as like a six-week program twice a year, which no one can develop reflexes in six weeks. So it was a great introduction for women, um, but there was no kind of dedication to kind of the ongoing training for them. And so, and the hard thing about jiu-jitsu is, for those of you who don't really know much about it, um, it's you know, essentially grappling. So if you walk in, if you don't, if you're not familiar with what's happening, you walk in, you're just like, wow, there's a bunch of men rolling around each with, in each other. Grappling with, also is like wrestling. Yeah, wrestling. Maybe those don't. Even oh yeah, know don't even know what grappling, grappling is. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just basically wrestling, wrestling around. Um, and when you don't even, especially if you kind of don't even know what you're watching, you're like, wow, they're literally just hugging and holding each other. And like, <laughs> I mean, just someone who doesn't know what it is, that is actually what they would think. And in that's not that in, inviting to a woman who walks into a martial arts school and who's like, great, so I could get hugged and, um, you know, be, so and snuggle some with some guy. Legs. Yeah, right, in, in the guard position. So it's naturally not one, not a, not a martial art that on the appearance, just the appearance side of it is super inviting and exciting for women when they see it. Um, so really it came, you know, the, the question is how do you, but yet at the same time it's so it's like, and of course, this is me talking, but it is the martial art for women. Absolutely. Because jujitsu is really about um, using leverage and te- technique and timing to be able to defeat a stronger opponent. And any woman who ever comes in contact with, uh, you know, an assailant or attacker or an aggressor, that man is going to be bigger and stronger than she is. So to rely on your, you know, strength or your athleticism or strikes or anything like that, it's just not necessarily reliable it's just not and so knowing that jujitsu is was just like to me i'm like every woman needs to know this how do we get more women to to fall in love with this like like i have and like other women have um and so that was when we started uh, we basically filmed the first version of women empowered um instructional the online instructional and the dvds and then we started offering it as a class every single week so women's only jujitsu class and it wasn't just women's jujitsu and this is i think what where you know women in power differs from a lot of women's jiu-jitsu out there is that it's important to speak the language of what a woman wants wants out of that that course um and for most women coming in we're very self-defense so we're very self-defense focused and so we want for a woman seeking self-defense they don't want to come to a jiu-jitsu school and learn some random sport guard that they're like how does this apply and why would i end up here you know, so Women Empowered was a very specific program that addresses the 20 most common threats against women. And and that is something that's totally understandable, whereas a woman comes in and you say, yeah, here's what happened. Like the most common questions women have and the most actual common scenarios, as we discovered from law enforcement and from survivors of, of assault, we address those. You know, what if someone grabs your hair? What if someone's mounted on top of you? What if someone's pinning your wrist? What if someone has your, is grabbing your wrist? What if someone grabs your waist? What if someone comes up from behind you? Like all of these, you know, these kind of scenarios we put into a program and we marketed it specifically for women. And so Henner and I started teaching that class every week. 
And just little by little over the last, you know, eight, nine years, it's just grown and grown. It's insane now. So I started training jujitsu nine years ago. I remember when it came about, I, so I, I have witnessed the, um, the rise of women, you know, the influx of, of women who have started training jujitsu, jujitsu, like not just even it's gone from like now the it, there's more women sometimes training than men, mm-hmm. um, even in, you know, combatives or master cycle, which is, it's so rad. Um, it's cool. It kind of reminds me of surfing. So when I fr- first started surfing, this is before pre blue, Blue Crush. Blue Crush. <laughs> there were g- women surfing for sure, but not that many, you know, like I lived on Kauai. There was, you know, there were, there were like, we stood out and then Blue Crush happens and it's like, boom, oh, yeah. now there's more girls in the water than men. And, you know, it's, it's really cool when you, when you start to, to see that happening. And, you know, I think, um, first of all, dude, it's almost like, thank you. I, I feel like it's so important to say because, uh, I think I'll, I'll just kind of validate everything that you were saying about I do as someone who's been training jiu-jitsu for nine years too I, I firmly believe that it is the most kind of powerful weapon um, self-defense weapon that a woman can have I've naturally been strong and tough my whole life not just in my body and my mindset in my childhood definitely evoked that from me i have three brothers we're all super close you know that we're family so you know all this but for those that don't it's like you know before jujitsu i i I wasn't afraid like oh fucking what you know i mean it's funny to hear you know because i'm super zenned out and yeah but you know i have that switch yeah when I first did uh, the trap and roll, like so the first very, the very first jujitsu class. Who, by the way, Vic, I love you. Um, <laughs> you know, my brothers had been training already, and Vic was like, "I'll be your partner for the first class." And um, I remember the feeling; it was so the same. Where it's like, "Holy shit! How do I? How have I been walking around this earth?" Right. As tough as I might be, whatever, and yet I understand now that I have been so vulnerable this whole time. I have chills when I say it because it's like, oh my God, if some man mounted me, I don't care how tough no, I am. No. I would have done all the wrong things, which in, you know, um, in Women Empowered, you guys teach that where it's like, you know, the struggling and yeah, I tire you out and like no, you don't want to do that, right? And so anyways, it was just, I can go so deep into it, but it was such a hook for me where it's like, man, I need to know, I need to know more of this. I need to know as much of it as I can. And it's, you know, I love the idea of being a black belt one day, but to be honest, for me, it's not even, the concept of being a black belt, what's so provocative about it for me is the information that you have to absorb to be a black belt. Right. So it's yeah. not like the status, and even though that it, it is, it's a fucking major accomplishment. Major. But yeah. it's more of like, <laughs> you don't just posted, I don't care if I'm saying this, news, <laughs> that Instagram post where he's walking through the airport and it's like, no weapons oh, yes. allowed. <laughs> no weapons <laughs> allowed. And he stops and he looks at the door and he has to turn away. <laughs> Because he is an actual weapon. He's an actual weapon. Your husband, Hunter, they're like legit weapons. So it's so rad to, you know, to be empowering women 
And and all you know with this master you know self defense weapon, and now you're doing it not so. Let's move into this direction. It 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 hasn't only grown in the academy. You guys are traveling the world and teaching this on a larger scale. I mean, it's like. Yeah, yeah, so so we now have so the Women Empowered program, which we teach in house yeah. um, here, but we also, like I mentioned, uh, created this DVD and like right. online program, which is available at GracieUniversity.com. Uh, so we actually have women who are learning this online or through DVD all over the world. Uh, so and amazing. not only that, but we also have certified training centers who are teaching this program. Um, teaching this program to women. So naturally in all of our certified training centers um, and also just to the women who are seeking this information, it's now finally, it's out there. And uh, it's just really, it, it's just really exciting to see. And, and of course, like one of the most like fulfilling things ever is just to see the progress that these women are experiencing <clears throat> and not just like, oh, now I'm, you know, now I know how to defend myself. Like that, that's obviously part of it. But Watching the kind of transformation that happens when you experience that level of empowerment. And you, like you said, you experienced it, I experienced it. And I felt the exact same way. It's funny you mentioned that because, again, I was a gymnast. Like, I was, like, up until fifth grade, I was stronger than all the boys. Like, I would be, I was always the one, like, winning the arm wrestling contest, winning the pull-up contest until Michael Mandrich beat me. I remember that very day. <laughs> and I was, like, and, and, and literally it got to the point where you're, like, this is unfair. Like, this isn't like this sucks like I, I you know you as in elementary school you're stronger than all the boys and one day you just realize like even my I was like my little brother could beat me up right granted my little brother trained jiu-jitsu too way before <laughs> I did so that's part of it but like but even if even though I was strong and like you know former gymnast or wrestler all of these things I would have no clue what to do and I was put in and I had some scenarios where I realized that very when I was on the road traveling, um, some really scary situations that, that came up before I, I started learning. And and so you are, you're just, you're, it's just one of those kind of naturally, um, it's like such a, subli- it's kind of subtle now, I think, because it's just an accepted part of women, like what they know is like, yeah, men are physically stronger than women. And that's right. just a, it's just a fact. It is. Yeah. Um, but that's why for, you know, and I think that's what was so amazing about jujitsu is that it was the first time I felt like, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> it was the first time I felt like it was like cheating or like, like it's like leveling the playing field for the first time. And for some reason, like you don't realize it until you actually experience it, that you're like all this kind of subtle vulnerabilities that you, that you feel on a daily basis. Like once those not that they completely go away because we're always going to be somewhat vulnerable to something. But it really, it really, trans- like, it reflects on all areas of your life. You know, how you interact with your partner, how you interact with business partners, how you interact with coworkers, how you set boundaries for yourself. Like, just the level of confidence that you get from knowing that. It's, it's so it's strange how it, it really permeates all other areas of your life and, and your relationships you know, in your connections. And so that to me is the most rewarding part of this is watching women kind of like experience that through the training and then reporting on that and really sensing that. Um, because that is the ultimate goal is not just like, oh, let's all choke guys out left and right, you know, <laughs> like walk around, the, you know, this world beating people up. That's yeah. not the goal. The goal is that <clears throat> we won't necessarily need to because we 
exude this confidence and this, you know, this feeling and this ability that we are, are capable of doing that. And that we, we, if we need to, we, we can go there, you know. That's so dope. That's, I mean, in my mind, that is like the full spectrum or the greatest definition of, of uh, empowerment, you know, and I, it's the perfect name for the program because I feel like that, that is exactly, you know, it's not just self-defense. It's, it's being prepared and it's kind of, you know, supporting the, these women to have a certain posture towards life yeah. that doesn't allow them, I hope I'm saying this right, actually, but just helps them to not be victims in any area of their life, right? Because, yeah, jujitsu is a confidence builder. I mean, let's be real. Like, <laughs> I'm like, there's something very satisfying of knowing, you know, listen, I'm a celebrity makeup artist by profession, right? And there's not many who also train Brazilian jiu-jitsu where it's like, you know, you're walking around or you're doing this glamorous, quote unquote glamorous sure. kind of, you know, job. But then at the same time, like you're on the mat getting sweaty and like avoiding, you know, chokes and all these things and maybe like getting some chokes in or doing whatever. But it's very, so it's funny because it's, I can go into a scenario that is outside of jiu-jitsu and it could be kind of, uh, you know, triggering triggering my nerves, and then I can think of you. Fought, you trained jujitsu, like you're, you're good. Like, I can I can choke you out. Actually. Exactly. So, like, it's funny. Once you can look look at somebody and be like, yeah, I can still choke you out. Well, but, you know what? And it's that, also I think the a deeper aspect of it is it feels. This just came to me in this moment. It feels very primal. So oh, it's yeah. like over. I might be in some meeting trying to sell my product or services or whatever and that isn't primal right that mm -hmm. feels like that's very kind of in the artificial our society if this makes any sense fighting is primal yeah it's fucking primal. you you yeah you can you can learn jujitsu by watching animals like that that's where <laughs> yeah. jujitsu comes from is literally watch animals fight and you're like okay that is that is this this right. is the most primal version of being yeah human and fighting is is that and it's yeah. and I know others have kind of mentioned this, um, but it really does feel like some level of kind of meditation for, for me and for many others I know because of that it's like you're just in the zone where, you almost have this survival mindset you yeah. know, but at the end of the day you know you're not gonna die like you're like you trust your partner but it kind of creates that for you, right? Um, without their stakes being so high and I think that's really good for people you know to experience that level of like, kind of being close to danger, <clears throat> while. Not necessarily, you know, knowing that if you mess up, you're going to get actually get choked out and, you know, die and, and die. Um, so it's like that. But it's putting yourself in that position. Basically, it's getting comfortable with discomfort. And that is so important for, for women, for men, for everyone. Um, but that's really at the at the root of it is you're put, you know, in that, and that's why I so am so adamant about, obviously, self-defense training and, and why, you know, I think a lot of self-defense programs out there want to... I feel like it's uh, self-defense is kind of oversimplified a lot, which I think does a disservice to self-defense and to women who, you know, kind of want to connect with it. And there's a few reasons why it's oversimplified. One is it, they feel like you can take one class and then like, you know, and while that might change some kind of principles and understandings, I think that can be beneficial. Um, 
I think that it takes, it really takes getting comfortable with discomfort. And that only happens when you train continuously and you say, you're like, oh yeah, I've been on the bottom of a fight with someone either in between my legs or someone mounted on top of me, pinning my wrist down. Like I've been here before. You know, you don't want the first time for that to happen uh, when it, you actually need it, right? So just by being there, you're triggering, you know, you're training your, your responses um, to basically to fight. And a lot of, we found that a lot of, you know, both men and women in the, in the sense of when danger comes, it can be fight, flight, or freeze, you know? And so you don't want that freeze to happen. And the only way to train to not have your body freeze is to train it to fight, right? Or to react. And then that's how this training, you know, really affects that. But I think the other thing that's interesting and that I think is important for people to kind of consider is that, and what's one of the things that when I, you know, when I kind of started really taking Women Empowered as something that I, I really wanted to invest in and to really make it for women, um, because, you know, obviously my husband and his family <clears throat> did a great job at creating the techniques. You know, that's what they're experts in. <clears throat> but believe it or not, they're not experts in women. Uh, <laughs> not. So it's, first of all, translating it for, for women. Uh, but also really looking at, like, what does violence against women actually look like? And I think a lot of self-defense programs want to focus so much on, you know, the, and this is a scary part of life, of course, is the, you know, the creepo at the gas station or the one hiding in an alley when you're walking home or walking to your car in the parking lot. You know, those are scenarios that do happen and they are scary and they're scary to think about and you want to be prepared for those. But more than 78% of assaults against women, sexual assaults, are committed by somebody that she knows. And that's really important when you're talking about self-defense, because when you're talking about how can I, you know, how am I going to be protecting myself from violence? And if you're only focused on these strangers, you know, that could potentially harm you, you're actually not focusing on your, the most, the most important danger, which is people around you. And, and I think that if, you know, many self-defense programs only teach these kind of aggressive tactics like eye gouges and groin strikes and palm strikes to the face and those can all be effective in certain types of situations don't get me wrong but if you consider the likelihood of you know if this is if it's your coworker who's like maybe not even a full-on assault but maybe it's just crossing the line and borderline sexual harassment if, if the only tool you have is an eye gouge are you necessarily going to pull that tool out at that time it wouldn't be wrong in my opinion, but like most, you know, but most people just wouldn't, they wouldn't, they, they would say, okay, I, I, well, I can't, I, I can't gouge his eyes out right now. So what do I do? And that's why it's so important for women to have scalable options when it comes to self-defense to be able to, you know, go there if you need to, meaning like if it's me or him and one of us is going to die, it's going to be him, you know, like you need to be able to get there. Like, and, and I, I believe that. Like, I know I can choke somebody out with my bare hands or legs, and that is really powerful, right? But at the same time, I know it's not always going to be called. Hopefully, it's never called for that. Most of the time, it's like, how do I protect my personal space? If someone tries to touch me or hug me in a certain way, how do I how do I protect against that without necessarily bashing their face in? You know, again, wouldn't be wrong, but like, if you feel uncomfortable, but you you want these tools. How do I assert myself verbally to somebody who's making me feel uncomfortable, whether it's somebody I know or somebody I don't know? 
And these are all self-defense tools that I think are, are kind of overlooked, is these kind of, um, kind of the in-between, these, these just neutralization, just neutralize a threat. You don't need to necessarily overpower them or defeat them. We just need to neutralize it and stay safe as women. Absolutely. That's yeah. so brilliantly put. And it's so, I mean, that's, I, I, I think that, that that is one of the ultimate differences is that, I mean, granted, I've never taken a self-defense class um, um, outside of training jujitsu, but um, I think what's so beautiful is that you guys really focus on the mindset. Yeah. And let's be honest. I mean, it all starts there, right? It, it totally does. To me, self-defense is 100% a mindset. <clears throat> I think it's the the fastest way to get that mindset is to also have the physical kind of component to back it up. But really the mindset comes down to worthiness. It comes down to worth and your and that is where, you know, in in, in all the, you know, the the self-defense training I've done and all the women I've talked to and all the discussions we've had about women's safety concerns, one of the biggest problems women have is fighting that kind of, um, you know, built-in response to people, which is, oh, I, you know, I need to be polite to people. I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. Uh, I don't want to be a bitch. I don't want to, you know, like all of these things that they are, that they fear and it, it, it keeps them from setting the boundaries that they need or defending themselves if they need to. And so, and again, that just comes down to like really identification of worth is when you say, no, uh, I'm worth, I'm worth doing that for. And so even if I make this random person or my boss or whoever uncomfortable, I have the right to say this. And I have, you know, I have every right to, because I, I'm worth that. And I, it's such an important part of just the self-defense mindset. Um, but I think that it's something about physically investing into your worth, you know? So when you're phys- every day, you're physically investing into your safety on the mat and training jujitsu or training self-defense, it's like you're, you're physically embodying that belief. Absolutely. You know, and so it's more than just saying like, oh yeah, I'll do that, you know, but you're physically embodying this, this belief and by investing so much in yourself, then when that situation comes, you're so much more likely to say, no, I've invested like all this into my safety. I'm not going to allow whoever it is to, you know, make me feel unsafe or uncomfortable. Absolutely. Hell yeah. I mean, that's such a confidence booster. Yeah. That is, I mean... Yeah, that's that's a huge confidence booster. And to me, that's so sexy. You know, that's like, for me, like, that's hot as a woman. I mean, I love, I'm sure you know this, you have this feeling, but it's it's so rad to kind of, you know, be this woman out by myself, traveling the world, doing whatever, and, like, maybe you're out one night and you're wearing your heels and you're doing, and they don't know. Mm -mm. They don't know what you got, like, built in you. And it's, you know, I mean, you don't necessarily walk around thinking that. Although, you know, there are times where maybe the thoughts could come to the head because there might be, you know, a man staring at you a certain way or whatever, and it's like, nah, dude, trust me, you don't want none of this. Yeah. (laughs) It's so amazing. To feel that. Um, I want to ask you, I feel like we got a lot of what you love, um, what women empowered and, you know, teaching what you teach, how it kind of elevates you and inspires you. I want to know what what's the hardest part for you mm-hmm. about it? Um, so for sure, the hardest part is um, the reality of it. 
And that reality is made clear to us all the time with, you know, women coming to us with their stories, kind of remembering every, all of our stories, like every woman has their stories. And so remembering the reality of why we're there is, and constantly being reminded of that every day is, that's the hardest part. Um, because it's, it just makes you really angry and it makes you really, uh, you know, it's just, it's just really, really sad and, and makes you angry as somebody who is fighting so hard for this, you know, for this cause. So I'd say that is definitely the hardest part is, um, again, hearing people's stories and hearing stories every day of how, you know, violence is affecting, you know, affecting women all over the world every day. And But at the same time, that is also what really drives me and like inspires me to say like, okay, we just need to keep working. Like, and, you know, I, I will say that there's, there's two ways to handle that. And obviously one way is clearly like start, you know, making men figure it out and that, you know, to stop raising men who are violent against women. Um, but while that's happening, we also need to feel like we, you know, have some kind of control and power and some freedom while that is hopefully going on. And so, you know, that, that's the drive is like every, my, my, every woman, every girl, every girl in high school, like, I'm sorry, I would much rather learn this than volleyball in high school. Um, yeah. <laughs> like in your physical education class. Uh, so, you know, it's just, it's such a valuable tool that that's just the goal is get every woman in the world learning it and, and having it be a part of, you know, their, their knowledge and their skills. I mean, that, first of all, what an amazing vision if this could somehow trickle into part of, you know, typical normal school, you got to take a self-defense well, and you? I just I just want to think about this for a second. Like I always think about this. What if how would the world be different if women were like exactly the same but were physically dominant to men? It's <laughs> like a movie plot. I, I was like <clears throat> Well the, the the scene that I turned to Wonder Woman. Exactly. Yes. Where there are all these oh, badass beautiful <laughs> just tribal women who are so just So basically yeah. We're yeah. we're we're trying to create that. But you think about it. Like, what would the world be like? And granted, that's kind of, I mean, it's somewhat of a far-off thought right now. But that that's the idea, is that when you don't feel that physical intimidation or the physical intimidation, intimidation is, not, is not there anymore, like, how does that subtly affect everything? And, like, right. all the dynamics of, you know, it's just, it's just an interesting thought. But that's ultimately the goal is, like, the physical, physical threats and violence against women is drastically reduced either on their end or on our end. Yeah. That's amazing. Is yeah. that so uh, so I wanted to ask you what is the great grand uh, you know lofty vision? Yeah. I mean that's that's kind of it. I'll, I'll kind of like let you know what we're working on right now. So we we actually just um we're by the end of this year we'll be releasing the the newest version of Women Empowered. So the first version which is currently online and out there is uh is a 15 lesson program we've modified the curriculum it's now 20 lessons and i'm so excited to release this to the world um it's really an uh, you know much more comprehensive program i want to be known as the most comprehensive self-defense program out there again not just because of the physical self-defense but also because of the principles and the mindset and the psychology 
that is discussed and talked about in this program. Uh, so that's going to be release, released this year. And then following that, we are simultaneously, simultaneously will be releasing um, the first Women Empowered Instructor Certification Program. So now, once this is released, women all over the world can basically learn this and then offer it in their communities. And we, we basically teach them how to teach this program. And there's a lot that goes into teaching women self-defense, um, a, lot, a lot of things that you may not even consider, but taking kind of a trauma-informed approach to teaching, um, teaching self-defense is, is really important to us, knowing kind of the, the history and the stories that, that most women come into learning self-defense because oft oftentimes they are healing from trauma in the past. And they want that kind of empowerment to help part of that healing. Um, so yeah, we're really excited about that. And to me, that's like the beginning of of just everybody, of all women being able to learn it. Is first you have to have the those who are getting the information out there. So we need these instructors all over the world to, to be able to teach this program. Um, and so by, by early next year, that Women Empowered Certification Program will be um, up and running and part of it is online and then you come to the uh, to Gracie University to finish the certification and so that's really exciting for us that's a big deal yeah that's like you're fertilizing yeah you're getting it out it. there that's and it. you know and then maybe one day it will be in schools or I mean well and that's the number one thing because we get so many people saying we'd well, love to offer this program and the problem is we just don't have enough instructors yeah. So there's there's schools that have said, yeah, we want to teach this to our kids or we want to, and you know, or, oh, is there one in Oregon or is there one in, you know, this area of New York? And, and you know, because we don't have it there, they just don't have access to it. So we just need to give them access. And that's doing that by these, you know, women who are passionate and motivated by this and who go through the program and love it and want to share it with their communities. Um, that's how they're going to be able to do that. It's so perfect because the timing of it, and in my mind, I was just like, oh, my God, Eve, this is going to be so fun, like, five years from now when we're looking back and it's just, like, part of school programs or whatever, whenever it's going to be. It's it's all moving in that direction, and it's even more so than just, like, women empowered. Um, I mean, the kind of forward momentum of women right now and the strength, like, seeing superhero women. I mean, we've seen superhero women since we were kids, but there's just something different right now there is there's a shift um you know i'm very pro women pro men i grew up with three brothers i you know i've never felt um inferior uh, or i just always like in my family i'll say this when we would do sport you know it was like you're one of the boys like get out my dad and differentiate and I think that was so helpful because it was always yeah. kind of like it wasn't like oh you're a girl so like you gotta sit down on yeah. this or whatever and many families do do that many families do yeah. I mean I appreciate it now because I yeah because when you look at everything of what's right. going on and where a lot of issues can come from too yeah. women's Absolutely. confidence and it, a lot of it comes from that kind of separation factor where it's like, you know, gratefully I didn't have that. And my brother was always like one of the boys, you know, but very much a girl. Um, but so, and I think that that contributed to the strong woman aside from like my mother and her being a great role, mo role model. But I love seeing, you know, this surge of like strong is beautiful, for yeah. example. I mean, even from a physical perspective where we have similar body types. We're mesomorphs. You know, we can build muscle. We have shoulders. 
And you know, we're now it's like girls want to be stronger. Yeah, it's such it's such an exciting thing to watch. And it's so perfect with women in power because I feel like even if women have been intrigued by martial arts, um, you know, self-defense, I think that now there's more of a, it's almost like it's becoming more normal. I mean, listen, the UFC, MMA, yeah, fucking Ronda Rousey, it's like this is now becoming a thing where, you know, yeah, you can look good in a dress and still kick someone's ass, like, if yeah. you had to. And it doesn't, yeah, those those don't have to be two separate things. And, like, for so long, that's, that is what was thought, is, like, that self-defense would be taught by either some guy who's like, all right, ladies, let's go hit his bag. And, like, <laughs> and like you know, like, everyone's just, it's like they're, it, like, it can be, you can feel... And however you identify, you know, whether it, whether you identify as feminine or you don't, but you can feel however you want to feel, and that has no effect on your your strength. You know, you can be strong and identify however you want. So you can, if you identify as, as feminine, you can have you can own that and keep that and still be strong and deadly and an ass kicker. Hell yeah! And like that, yeah. Seeing the world move in that direction is so refreshing and so like let's like make basically being strong and deadly fucking sexy like let's you know that's that's it it's sexy that's <laughs> <laughs> so hot I love it it's so perfect I also want to say one thing and I you know in self women self-defense women empowered it's there's a lot of focus on um you know defending against a man but I think it's also important to say that it might not be a man no absolutely not and we we always say that in our program is that we we typically refer to the you know aggressor as as a he partly because statistically it normally is but absolutely it can be it can be a woman it can be um it can be anyone and in any type of situation and we've you know I've actually had students who have been um you know assaulted by by other women and so works on either gender yeah. any gender and it's knowing that while you know I think that w- women are typically targeted for different reasons and obviously men are and that's why it makes perfect sense to have a program specifically to for what they're kind of targeted for totally you know that's right but it works on anyone um I want to ask you this when you look at your life now and everything that you're creating and your deep purpose with this and well, I want to go into mommyhood um quickly too but um when you look at your life now and you think back to like 10 years ago 15 years ago would you ever does it all kind of make sense like can you connect dots wwe engineering like can you connect dots or is this like a complete i would never have imagined this scenario i'm curious i think i yeah i still probably wouldn't have imagined this like if of all the things that you know, I thought I might have been. This is not necessarily one of them. Um, but the dots are completely connected. It all makes sense. You know, it's like, it's kind of like, oh, this this is basically the path that needed to happen for me to get here. And so I don't feel like anything was wasted. I don't feel like anything was not meant to, not meant to be a part of my life. Um, I think that, you know, all of those, like I always kind of had a similar purpose and it just was kind of manifested in different ways. And now it's just manifesting in a way that's really, really fun and really exciting for me. Um, and something that, you know, is obviously an opportunity that, that came up. Granted, obviously, you know, 
who I married and kind of that, that there was this, there was a, there was this wide open space for someone to fill. And it's like, there's nobody, you know, like, who do you, when you think of like, oh, who's the world's women's self-defense expert? Who is that? You know, like, that's just not a space that had been filled. And even in the family that I married into, there was, that space hadn't been filled. Um, and so I, I'm like, let's fill it. Like, there was an opportunity, again, like, I, I don't believe necessarily in knowing, planning out everything exactly to what, you know, some people have a very specific goal and they want to go for it, but, which is great. But for me, it's like, I've always been one to like, let's see what doors open and what opportunities open for me to like take, take advantage of and to, you know, really grow from and, you know, see kind of how that, how that works out. And for me, this one just fit in so perfectly again, even though WWE and in self-defense are like actually completely different, you know, to the, to the kind of normal, like common eye, you go, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Like she was, a she was, she was a wrestler. Like she was a, used to wrestle in the ring. Of course she can defend herself, you know, like, so they're, they're similar brands, I would say. Um, so it totally makes sense. But I think, yeah, it's, you know, it's a very roundabout way of getting there. Um, but it was all meant to happen the way it did for me to kind of come to this point, I think. You're a mom um, of one and a half. <laughs> one and a half. <laughs> one and a half. You you're, you you mentioned before, but you have your, like, just ridiculously adorable boy, Haven. And very shortly, there's another boy mm-hmm. coming out to this world to make it a better place, which is so exciting. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, I will, well, I'm going to ask you this question after. Okay. Moving into mommy, like, that's a big deal because that's a whole new kind of universe that you step into, right? I'm not a mom yet, aspire to be. And, but in witnessing you, you know, it's so inspiring to me as one of my best friends just to see what a wonderful mother you are and how you fucking navigate, like, you know, you're a mom, but you still, you hold everything up on the highest level still. And it's gnarly. I mean, it's being a mom is a sport. You care. I'm seeing it, Victoria. Can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it is. It's a whole other world. And it's a super fun and exciting and a world full of growth and learning. Um, and I think that it's, it like allows you to really, I, I kind of mentioned this already, but you like, of course, everything you're thinking about is like, how do I not mess this up, right? <laughs> like, how do I make this human the best human I can? And some of that takes a lot of deconstructing yourself and really looking at yourself and saying, okay, what am I modeling for him or for your child? Um, what do I not want to model for them? What do I what do I want to model for them? And it's like, you know, you can easily go through life a lot for with not necessarily thinking in that way and then once you once you have like okay this is my actions are potentially affecting someone's life and who they come turn out to be it just takes a whole different you know like it just changes everything about how you look at yourself um and your history and your past and so but it's actually a beautiful growing experience because because a lot of those things you're like, here's the things I love about myself and that I want to be a part of him, you know? And then here are the things that I hope he can kind of find on his own, right? And and so I'm I'm absolutely loving being a mom. He um, is super fun and he's two and a half right now. And I the, my second one will be due 
um, soon enough, and they'll be about three years apart. But yeah, two little brothers, two little weapons. Uh, I'm sorry, no. but like it's like. I'm sure I'm not the only one in your life who tries, like, sometimes just the imagining of, imagination of, like, what they're going to be like, like, even in their teenage years. Because we know, I mean, between you and Hunter, it's like, man, these, they're going to be, you know, they're, they're going to be contributors to the world because both of you are. Well, and that's, that's ultimately what you want for your children, I think, you know, like, without assigning them a path, you right. don't want to assign your children, a, your child a path, but I think that. You know, I, I want, especially raising boys, I feel like it's so important to just raise good boys that while they hopefully, you know, will, will pursue jujitsu jitsu and, and, and all of that and be also deadly and really, you know, <laughs> powerful, um, I want them to be sweet and, and, you know, again, like you said, contributors and just I feel like raising good men right now is so important. You know, because I remember Hunter saying, like, don't you want a girl? Because she'll be a little, like, you know, firecracker like you or just, like, a little. In the, and I'm like, that's, you know, a cool thought, I guess, is to think of, like, what kind of girl you might raise. But I feel like if you really want to help the cause for women, you actually need to raise good bo- good men. You right, know, like, right. raising good men is so important these days. And no, so it's, it's something I take very seriously. And finding, you know, out how to ra- how to how to raise boys that are kind of in touch with themselves enough like in their emotions where they don't have to grow up and be angry and be you know like macho and have to kind of compensate for that in other ways and so he's got great role models and that's what I love I love that my son has such great male role models around him he really does yeah I mean yeah you yeah they're gonna be I have no doubt at all that they're gonna be nothing short of that and then some in their own amazing ways and, and it's so true I mean my boyfriend of many many moons ago who's one of my best friends JP I always would tell him man you are I would tell his parents actually like, JP is a product of good parenting because mm-hmm. even in our departure like in breaking up I mean it was just done in the most reverent way everything was just so and that's why he's one of he's family you know he's one of my best friends so you know, there was just the whole way through our relationship, which was several years. Um, it was just so it was a fun and all these things, but the the main thing was respect the whole mm-hmm. way through. And I really believe that that is what you know. Not all relationships have to quote unquote go the distance and work out. Or let me say it like this: my relationship still worked out with him, and it it doesn't mean that we're together or not to, like that has nothing to do with it it worked out because through our transition from going to you know being romantic to being friends and family the respect from day one to day now has been upheld and you know his parents are incredible and the way that they have raised um their 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 two boys is it's obvious i mean that's yeah it's affected them that way that's the goal that's the goal. It's amazing. Um, and I know we're running out of time because you, you know, because you do have Haven. And Okay, so we're going to rapid fire. We're going to do another podcast because you're stuck with me. It's one of my best friends. <laughs> I love all it. We can go, I want to get into some fun, girly stuff. Um, but I want what I did want to ask you uh, is if, if you can pick, you can pick one or a couple things, but what do you feel most proud of about, yourself at this stage in your life 
That is a hard one. I know. Oh, I man. was such an asshole. Sorry. <laughs> Make me think about myself. You and think about myself. It's funny. Um, Let me. Why you think? I'm yeah. going to say this. It's it, it's so interesting. I think society. There's this whole like be humble. It, and you know what? Sure, to a certain degree. But what I don't like about this over humbling thing that I think exists in society is it doesn't allow. It affects what. There's a lot of things that I'm fucking proud of about myself, and that pride for myself doesn't ever translate into I'm better than you. No, it, it's strength of character. It lends to my purpose, and so I'm saying like sometimes being humble, you know, this concept of humble can affect that where it's like, no, like don't no. be an asshole. And I think especially with women that happens a lot. It's like, totally. it's like, oh, don't be too, like, like no, actually, I'm just really proud of that. Um, no, it's, it's just interesting because I, you know, one of the things I admire about you is how much time you dedicate to reflecting on yourself and, like, journaling and really, like, looking, you know, into yourself and connecting with that. And um, that's one thing I do need to work on is that. So I don't get much time to, like, really think about that. I have tons of gratitude for so many things in my life. I, I'm constantly, um, you know, really grateful but in terms of what I'm most proud of um, I think at this specific point in my life I think is um, a level of balance is what I'm most proud of I'm really proud of I feel like I've reached this point where I'm really proud of what I've done for you know my my, my career I guess I'll say or for the for women empowered and for kind of my purpose there but also I'm at this really fun stage of motherhood too um, and I still feel like I have really great connections with my friends and family so just the sense of, like, the level of balance that I feel like I'm at at this particular moment. I mean, ask me again in a few months when the second child is born. <laughs> but um, I'm, really, I'm really proud of that because I think balance is important. And you can have one thing that's really great. And if the other thing is not there, it's, like, uh, just a constant struggle. And I feel like I've found, finally found that. And some of that took me saying letting some things go to really get to that place of balance. Um, so being able to let those things go and just really focus on what is super important to me right now and balancing that. And Haven loves his mama, and it's so fun. It's, oh, like, so it's rad. such a good I'm, – I'm, he's, like, really tooting my mommy horn right now. Like, I, I, this may not last forever, but it's just <laughs> so fun to be, like, him to just really connect with you and want to snuggle and want to play with you. And I just – I feel really, really good as, as – you know, it's always that scary thing that when you're working a lot, you're you're worried you're going to lose connection or something, and it hasn't happened whatsoever. And I'm just really proud I found that balance. I love that. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I think that it goes back to, you know, um, when you when you said, um, uh, you know, when you're in uh, at USC and you're like, I'm not even going to look over into the entertainment world because I need to be all in here. I really believe balance is an interesting concept to me because. I'm like, when you think of balance, it's like, oh, I can juggle equally at the same time. Like, I'm juggling, basically, to juggle. Sure. Like you have. But I almost feel like, because I can validate this as well as one of your closest friends, like, you are so all in with that which you love. Like, you have a hundred things going on, but you'll still make sure that, you know, when you're with your people or if your people need you or what like 
you're right there all in to the point where it's like, how are you fucking doing this, Eve? You know, like the birthday, you threw my birthday, my 40th birthday. And I'm like, no, I don't want to add it <laughs> to your plate. And you're like, no, no, please. Like I need to. And it's like, mm-hmm. how do you do that? You know? And I think that your ability to be organized and separate so that when you are with family, you're with your family. When you're work, you're with your work. You're, you know, I'm just, it's, I think that's a very, um, it's like a talent. It's a skill. It's something that super inspiring. I think that many people are capable of. It's just kind of, you, you probably, you have to have the willingness um, and the want, right? To say, this is what's important to me. I'm going to make sure that, you know, I'm investing equally. And even if it's not at the same time, even though with you it is, you know, you know what I'm trying to say, right? It's like. Yeah, well, and you said it earlier, but it really is when you're operating from a place of passion, then all of that becomes very easy. Like it becomes very easy to be very present in whatever you're doing. Yeah. You know, instead of just going through motions or feeling like, oh, I have to do this because whatever. When you're doing something because you want to do it it makes it actually really easy to do that thing even when you're having to do a lot of other things um it just makes it fun and it's it's so much easier to do that and really do well at it yeah i think when love is driving you yeah yeah hell yeah and you are all love girl i love you love I, you. I know i gotta get you out of here thank you <laughs> it's so fun <laughs> so fun i can't wait for the next and Oh man, and then you're and soon there's like going to be another one of you and mm-hmm. head out in this world. It's going to be exciting. It's, it's going to be exciting to do another podcast with you when baby number two is out, and we can talk about. Then we'll just talk back about balance again. We'll, 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 we'll have that talk again. <laughs> Before I let you go, is there anything that you? Um, well, there's a few things. Is there anything that you? want to put out there that you haven't said maybe yet or like just last thoughts or uh i don't know when this is being released but we're having a free women's self-defense seminar on july 14th Ooh, okay um july 14th in uh at grace university which is in torrance california so anyone who wants to attend um you can email seminars at gracieuniversity.com i hope that's the right email um (laughs) Not all. I'll put tell everything you in the show, show notes. notes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's one. Um, and yeah, if you're interested in learning self-defense, GracieUniversity.com is where you'll go. And, and maybe be an instructor <laughs> one day. Yes, if exactly. Yeah. If this is something that really you know resonated with you and that sounds exciting to you, it would be it's a great journey to get started on. So, uh, GracieUniversity.com. And you can go, it, it talks all about the program, how you can learn from home, how you can learn at a certified training center if you're nearby one um, of one of our certified training centers, which are all over the world. So it's a wonderful journey to begin, and I hope you'll join me on that journey. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. amazing. I love it. Um, yeah, and all this information will be in the show notes. Can you uh, tell our listeners how they can keep up with you? Yeah. So um, I'm on both Instagram and Twitter, mostly Instagram these days, I would say, at, um, at Eve Torres Gracie. And, yeah, GracieUniversity.com as well. Perfect. Okay, Mama. I love you so much. Thank you. Love you. With all my heart. You guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this goddess queen, deadly (laughs) beauty, who fortunately I get to call one of my very best friends. Um, And you will be hearing a lot more of me and her down the line. So you can look forward to that. And thank you so much for spending your time with us. We will. I will. Catch you on the next one. (laughs) We need to eat. Okay. (laughs) Peace. Bye. (laughs) 
Thanks for taking the time to check out this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please share it with your friends. Head over to iTunes, subscribe to this podcast, rate it, leave me an honest review. Let's connect. I am so excited to do that in this space and really create content that elevates your mind in support of your best performance in life. You can find me on Instagram at Black Belt Beauty. I'm active there every single day and I look forward to connecting with you all. So thanks again and I'll catch you on the next one.